Welcome to the Co-op Power Hour on KGNU's It's the Economy. I'm Nathan Schneider. I teach in media studies at CU Boulder. And I'm Paul Bindle. I'm a freelance marketing and communications professional. We join you on the fourth Thursday of every month to learn about economic democracy and cooperative business. The Co-op Power Hour is a production of the Colorado Co-op Study Circle, which you can learn more about at our website, coloradocoops.info. This week, we're going to be talking about community wealth building in uh, the Denver metro region and beyond. Uh, we're going to be joined by Jessica Holgin, uh, who's involved in the uh, community wealth building network in town here, as well as uh, Matilda Garcia and Irma Diaz with uh, Mujeres Emprendedoras, which is an exciting new uh, cooperative business in the community. This idea of community wealth building has been spreading around the country and beyond. Uh, a lot of uh, communities have been taking cues from a model developed in Cleveland uh, by a group called the Democracy Collaborative, where they've been trying to bring together anchor institutions, uh, organizations like universities and hospitals, uh, to do joint purchasing and to use their purchasing power, not just to uh, meet their own individual needs, but actually to meet community needs, to uh, uh, direct that purchasing power, especially toward uh, uh, locally owned and governed worker cooperatives. And in general, there are people uh, working in different cities, places like New York City and Madison, Wisconsin, and Springfield, Massachusetts, and Oakland, California, uh, who are thinking systemically about what it means to create community wealth in their cities, in their communities. Um, this model has also been starting to take hold uh, outside of the U.S., where Preston in, in England, uh, a city that was hard hit by the economic downturn, uh, has been recovering through a lot of these strategies and uh, helping to spread this model, uh, and this kind of thinking, really, outside of, of the context here. And, and Denver is another of the cities that is really taking a, a leadership role in developing this new uh, model and this new way of thinking. Um, and over the past few years, a group of people uh, has been working with uh, some leading community organizations uh, to figure out how to make sure that as this city grows and develops and, and uh, new wealth and energy comes uh, uh, into the community, that it is truly shared wealth uh, and that it's wealth that, that everybody uh, in our community uh, is, is, uh, gets to benefit from. So today we're talking to Jessica and we're thrilled to have you here. Thank you for coming to talk to us. Thank you for having me here. So um, we're kind of curious, what does community wealth building mean? If we were to just take those three words, you might not always hear them together. Uh, what does that mean to you? Right. So community wealth building, well, community wealth building network is an initiative to look at how we build wealth in low-income communities and communities of color. Uh, when we think about community wealth, we're talking more than just economic opportunity, but it also includes economic opportunity. So we look at the arts as part of community wealth and looking at the social aspects that that create community a very strong uh, place for people to live in. And so we're looking at the social capital that comes with having the resources. Um, the Community Wealth Building Network is working to, um, well, our vision is um, a people-owned, inclusive, and sustainable Metro Denver economy that catalyzes prosperous and resilient communities free from racism and injustice. And so we are 
well aware that there is uh, there are a lot of changes that we want to make, but we want this to be a transformative movement so that we all understand that it's going to take everybody um, to start thinking about the choices that we make as individuals, as organizations, as um, anchor institutions to ensure that the wealth can stay in communities. So yeah, often I think of wealth in terms of not just your income level or like something that you bring in, but something actually that you keep. So can you talk a little bit about the things that communities in Denver um, are already doing well at keeping? Sure. Um, so I think there's a lot of opportunity in in terms of wealth when we think about you know the traditional wealth of having generations leave houses and that financial wealth. Um, we're also thinking about what would it mean for low-income communities um, if they were to own their jobs. And so ensuring that there is a legacy that is left behind. It is more than just the economic opportunity, but it's also the the, the handing of something. Um, I, I think the other opportunity is in cultural preservation. Um, community wealth includes that cultural aspect that we're unfortunately losing a lot because of gentrification in our area. And so this is, it's going to take an intentional effort to ensure that that preservation, cultural preservation can stay in communities. Now, over the last year, you've been doing a lot of mapping and exploring and meeting and uh, 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 drinking coffee with people. You said uh, uh, recently that you've been to every coffee shop in Denver. Just uh, about, uh, yes. <laughs> meeting people over and over and over, getting to know uh, your stakeholders. What have you learned about the state of community wealth uh, in, in this community? What are the challenges? What are the, um, you know, more precisely the um, uh, what, what are people up against? Sure. So that while there's a lot of excitement around community wealth building, we are facing the perhaps the biggest challenge is our our mentality and that shared prosperity is not the American dream. Um, you know, we are sold this image that you work hard and you pull up yourself by your own bootstraps and. What about communities who haven't had bootstraps for so long? Or um, what about those who have been intentionally um, hurt by the current development? And so um, I think the first step is going to be to raise awareness because to me, this movement is about transformative um, a transformative movement where we can say, you know what, this starts with me and how I make choices and my decisions um, and how they're going to impact my neighbors. Um, I, I always remind people that the first part of community wealth building is community. We need to go back to how do we create communities um, and how do we do it in a time when it takes 2.5 full-time jobs for somebody who works minimum wage to be able to afford a two-bedroom apartment. And so we're up against some pretty big forces and without intentional efforts, it's going to be very difficult. Um, luckily, there's a lot of excitement around and there's a lot of great initiatives that are coming up to look at how we build that sense of community and how we can support each other to ensure that we have community wealth. Do you want to talk more about some of those things that you see that are coming up? Sure. So uh, there's a lot of excitement around uh, uh, cooperative education is, uh, you know, one of the, the pillars of community wealth building is democratized ownership. And so when we look at the opportunities that are that are in front of us, we have the what we call this uh, silver tsunami where so many baby boomers are ready to retire. And so understanding, helping them understand that, you know, transitioning their business, converting their business into a, a worker owned 
um, opportunity can be very profitable for the business owner and also preserving the legacy. And so I think there's now a little bit more energy around that. I had an opportunity to meet with uh, representatives from AARP, and they saw this as a great opportunity for their members. And so um, there's that. There's also, you know, the the start of different worker-owner, work, worker-owned cooperatives, um, and just even exploring the possibility of purchasing cooperatives as a way to re- uh, reach economies of scale and ensure that their business is viable. Because one of the things I continue to remind people is that cooperatives are first and foremost a business. It is a profitable business, or it should be, um, if it's going to stick around. Um, and so how do we start to tap into the, the economies of scale, and how do we do it in a way that can leave a legacy for the next generation? Now, you're, you're a native of this region, but, but before taking on this role, you uh, were actually working for a number of years in Nicaragua. Could you tell us about some of the lessons that you're bringing from that experience into this work here? Absolutely. So I, in 2011, I went to uh, Nicaragua to do a sustainable economic development. Um, it was a very exciting opportunity for me. My master's is in business administration. And then I got to the uh, Nicaragua, which is a socialist country and has been for many, many years since the revolution. And to see that the business model, the default business model there is cooperatives, um, just because it's a very, um, economically speaking, is a very poor country, um, while they have many other other um, forms of wealth. Um, and so working with them, uh, working in Nicaragua, I realized the power of the collective power that comes with uh, cooperatives. And so I had an opportunity to work with a shrimp co-op. And it was really exciting to see these men who had worked for so many years with the international shrimp harvesting companies that were sending the shrimp to the U.S., the U.S. would process them, package them, and then send them back to Nicaragua, sold at 10 times the, the, the cost. And so these men said, wait a second, they are very extractive to our land. They are not paying, they're barely paying minimum wage. Um, what if we were to do this differently? And so we were able to provide them with seed, seed capital to be able to do um, what they know how to do best um, and also connect them to local markets so that um, it would be a win-win not just for them but also for the, the tourist industry that, that was struggling to get high-end um, shrimp. So it was a really exciting opportunity. I got a chance to work with many, many other wor- uh, cooperatives. And they um, they one of the things that I learned is that First and foremost, it is a business, and they need all the business experience, um, accounting, marketing, and everything else. Um, But it's also really important how they make decisions as a cooperative. And so the cooperative values came later uh, once the the business was already established. Um, They did have all of their... Um, the values and um, they, they, the Nicaragua has a very interesting, um, every year there's a tagline. And the, that year, in 2011, it was um, uh, working hard towards the common good. And that's what everybody in their mind worked towards. Um, so it's re- been really exciting. Now, coming back and seeing that it's uh, cooperatives are not the default here. And in fact, it's very hard to demystify what cooperatives are. I mean, I've talked to people who said, oh, but why would you want the government to regulate everything that you're doing. It's like, no, it's a little bit different. Um, And so helping people understand what cooperatives really are and helping them um, assess that if, if, it, if it makes sense for them. I completely understand that cooperatives are not for everybody, but everybody should have the choice in uh, if that's, that makes sense for their business. So as you're looking into the Denver 
sort of business scene um, and evaluating um, the potential for cooperatives. What do you see as some of the challenges that are facing like potentially more businesses becoming cooperatives? Uh, I think there's a lot of challenges, uh, especially because, again, going back to the, the lack of education, a lot of people don't know what cooperatives are. Um, and for those uh, from both ends, uh, from the technical assistance perspective, but also from those from consumers, um, I do think that we need to do a much better job to help people understand why uh, cooperatives make sense, but also, you know, creating a strong local economy. And so cooperatives, the cooperatives that I've uh, interacted with have done a really good job of creating that community wealth by circulating that dollar locally. Um, and so, but when you have to make the decision, do I go and buy food at X restaurant or chain, or do I go with the food co-op? Mm, the that, that, that becomes a, a much different choice. And so um, I do believe that one of our biggest challenges and one of the greatest opportunities is around education um, at all levels from grassroots all the way to, um, I would love to be able to have a, a conversation with funders and say, you know, at some point, do we consider uh, community wealth building and uh, strong local economies as part of the granting process? Um, because that has very serious imp implications. You're not paying the lowest price, but you're ensuring that that dollar stays and circulates in the community. Well, that education piece has so much potential. Um, you know, we've both seen <coughs> data, for instance, suggesting based on national surveys that if people know what a cooperative is, they are far more likely to, to do business with it uh, than other kinds of business. Uh, uh, it, but that requires uh, that understanding. And, and uh, that's part of the uh, job we're undertaking in this conversation uh, today. Uh, you're listening to the Co-op Power Hour. It's a regular feature on KGNU's It's the Economy and a production of the Colorado Co-op Study Circle. Um, we'll be with you, or we're with you on the fourth Thursday of every month. Uh, today we're talking about community wealth building in the uh, Denver metro region, and we'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to the Co-op Power Hour, a regular feature on KGNU's It's the Economy and a production of the Colorado Co-op Study Circle. I'm Paul Bindle. I'm Nathan Schneider. And we're with you on the fourth Thursday of every month to talk about cooperatives in Metro Denver and maybe beyond. Today we're talking about community wealth building and also worker cooperatives in Denver. And coming up, we're actually hearing from Mujeres Emprendedores. Um, this is a group of women that is based in Westwood um, on the west side of Denver, and they have been developing a business plan and also um, building out their business. Um, it now employs 10 women. And so we're going to hear from them to just learn more about their business. Thank you for joining us, ladies. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you for inviting for so, this opportunity for to speak with the people. Yeah, and so today here in the studio is Matilde Garcia and Irma Diaz. Um, and tell us a little bit more. What are the things that Mujeres Emprendedoras um, provides or like what service or product do you do you create? Yeah, right now we are doing three things. When we when we come together, we hear like a lot of things that we want to do. But we decided to start with three things. 
then we decided to make catering with Mexican food. We want to make a special recipe, not a special recipe, we want to make the Mexican food, but healthier. Then we improve the recipes to make them healthier. For example, the enchiladas, we improve them, then we go down like 300 calories in the in the serving for enchiladas. Well, I love enchiladas, and I've had yours. They're actually delicious. <laughs> yeah. Then um, um, other things that we do is jewelry. We have some of the women, and they make very pretty jewelry. I make some, but not like the others. <laughs> then, um, yeah, th- th- we sell j- some jewelry, and we give the, cre- the creation for all the women, and everybody make different stuff who make very good to sell them. And the uh, last part, we want to make, like, education. We want to create, like, what is the way that we have, and we want to leave that space to other women who want to start a business. Then we are making YouTube videos, and they are not published yet because we're working on that part. We're learning all the process that we have to do, and every every time that we have to publish them. But we already have some of them, and we have to clean in them and fix. But that's something that we really want to do then, we are focusing those three things. And that's really exciting to me because you are both, you're like both creating products and goods that you're selling to the community, but you're also um, amplifying um, entrepreneurship within the um, Spanish speaking community and the women's community um, through education. Um, What are some of the topics that you're going to be focusing on in these um, educational videos on YouTube? Well, I think um, we we want to talk first about the things that help us because the, I think that's the important part. If Usually we think it works for us, maybe it works for others. Um, then in uh, how grow the self-esteem, for example, those are the things that, or what are the things that we read that maybe help to others. Um, the trainings that we get, we make a video and then we talk about the training, what are the things that work for those trainings, what are the things that we improve, if we was a business, if uh, we lost the time in the training or we feel that really help us to learn about the process, then those are the things that we are trying to do in first. And later we will see what is the, the next step and what is the people need to know or what is the things that work for us and what are the things that maybe is n- didn't work. And um, maybe for other person that come and, re- and see all those videos, make it make that way easy. Can you tell us a bit about how you came together and how you decided to uh, uh, to go into business together? Well, Irma have the idea to become, um, well, to make a business to, because uh, we have a very big problem in, in our area with the housing. Then a lot of people is taking out for the houses. They, the rent is very high. Then she have the idea to make a business for that. And I have the idea more to help the people because I work in a profit organization who the name is Revision. Then I have that kind of help the people. Then uh, I say, if it's possible for us, why we want to wait it until we really can do all the stuff to make the way. Then uh, when we come together, we went together to the English class. We already was friends, but we were, we are together in English class and GD class. Then we started to talk about, and we called up fr- some friends, my mom, my sister, and other women, and come, and we started like that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So 
it sounds like your business model, like your name literally means in English, entrepreneurial women. Um, your business model is rooted in your identity as women in Denver's Westwood neighborhood. So can you tell us more about what what is it like to be a woman living in Westwood right now? Tell us more about kind of like what is your experience? The experience is like uh, we can see every time the woman's, I don't know why, but uh, a lot of women says they suffer in a house. A lot of people, they say, no, my, my wife, she's not working. Yes, we work in the house. We work too hard for cleaning the house, for taking babies, for going to the, uh, the store, make a food, make a, everything in the house. It's a real hard work. And then every time, so many problems by the, the, the couplets, and they finish and divorce, is because the money. The money, the money, the money, not complete. I need more money. I need new shoes for the babies. I need new clothes. I need another TV. I need another furnitures. That's too hard. And right now, in uh, Mujeres Emprendedoras, we try to educate everybody, every woman inside and in the group and the co-op or uh, for the videos. We try to uh, show everybody learn more about the financial, how we can save more money, how we can learn for um, make a more productive inside by the house, make a, right now we make a lot of jewelry, We're right now, and only on Sundays, we stay in uh, Morrison Road, three, Saturdays. the Saturdays, and 3700 and Morrison Road, we are in 3738 Morrison Road. Yes. Every Saturday, 10 to 3. <laughs> we make uh, a food. We stay every time, every Saturday, 10 to 3. Make a gorditas, tacos with the guisados or a steak or pastor. And we make uh, homemade tortillas, flour tortillas. We make the gorditas. We make uh, champurrado or avena or whatever. We we stay every day, and we stay every Saturday right there. Yes, every Saturday, and we learn. Right now, we learn a lot of stuff about how we can save more money, how we can are more uh, productive in the financial in the in the house, because not only the the men he need work, we can do, we can help, and we want to everybody, every woman because this is direct for women, learn more about how we can make a more independent, independent, economic, and financial. And so are you, have you already seen a benefit in your own homes as you, as you grow? I mean, you've been doing this for several months now, and have, have you seen anything? Well, like I say, um, when we started with this, in my in my case, I personally started to work like five years ago. I can tell you that the penny that I get, the penny that I spend. Then uh, for me, it was like I started to read. I started to hear some videos. I started to went to some trainings and things like that. Then I started to learn how to save my money, how to spread the, the way that works better for me. And I think that's why I feel that it's something that cultural, like we as like Hispanic women, we don't have. It's like you don't have something in Mexico, then you want you come and then you get some money, and the first thing is for you is 
you want to buy this stuff. And sometimes it's, you don't need it, but then later you have an emergency and you don't have money to pay for that emergency. Then that kind of stuff, I started to learn it, and that's why for me the education part was the most important part. But um, you don't have money to make all those things if, if you are not making money. Mm-hmm. Then And that's why we become a, a co-op. Then we want to make the, the business part, but with the education part, because we think that's very, very important. And so it sounds that the sounds like the co-op is allowing you to to empower yourselves more financially and to to not only um, learn new tools to save money but also to make more money together well I think if if you didn't prove that it's then it's something that works you cannot tell anybody that it's something that works you cannot come you cannot bring your account bank and say oh you see I save all this money because I learned these things it's like you have to prove that you are doing all these steps, then 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 prove yourself. And when they see that you improve, then they become and ask you, "What did you do? What are the things that you change? What are the things that you improve in your life?" Then they they open for yourself, and you can tell them what it, what is the things that they can change. But until you started, you didn't ask. And this is very important because the woman we start learn more about financial but when you learn you can show uh, your husband at uh, your kids at uh, your sister your brother we can make like a waves and we can make more 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 con- conscious people for saving because everybody needs saving everybody needs to be financially more independent yes Love it. You're you're my heroes right now. <laughs> Thank <laughs> but you. But I'm kind of curious, who are your heroes? Who are your role models? <laughs> well, I think um in my life I have a lot of heroes and people that I follow. I think one of the person is my mom. Um when I was young my mom uh, had to started to work when she was all the time in house and my dad uh, started to be sick and she had to go to work. And for me, I think it's always was very hard to see how hard she works, and we never have enough money for nothing. Then I think that's why I, I I always say, and I remember my sister, and I say, oh, are you crazy? That's never happened. And we say in Mexico, we have, um, I don't know what's the name, Indicio? Mm-hmm. But they, the, we used to say, like, this is sueños de pobre, pedos de burro flaco. That's mean, like, is something that you dream and dream, then it's, but it's not possible. Then um, I say, ah, you will believe, you will believe me. I will be changed, and and I will improve these things. And and I think I I have that idea, and that things can be done if you really want it. And I I understand right now that you have to do a little by little, and you have to change some habits because always are the habits. What are the habits that you have? It's not the money that you get. It's what do you do with the money that you get. It's not the amount of money that you get. How do you spend it? Do you spend more than the money that you get? Or what do you do with the money that you get? You're able to take advantage of something unique about a, a cooperative model, right? Since education is so critical to what you're trying to achieve, right? In another kind of business, normally you would have somebody who's in charge and who is who is uh, also 
claiming a monopoly often over the information about the business, right? And most of us who work for a business see only a tiny percentage mm -hmm. of it. And in a cooperative model, you have the opportunity to see uh, a, a much larger yeah, range people. of it. So can you tell us a little bit about how your cooperative works? You know, for instance, if somebody makes a piece of jewelry, uh, do the proceeds when it's sold go to the collective or do they go to the individual? How, how do things work? Well, we decided to separate our money. Uh, the, um, every, every person who become a member uh, pay like $100 for the membership. That's make them part for the, for the women's. Then um, with the money that we then become for the members, we buy all the stuff that we needed to make jewelry, to make food, to make all the process that we need to do. Then we separate the the incomes that become in three different way, in three different different parts. We we have some women and they didn't work, but they wanna help us with the money. Then right now they are like three. Then um. We give that ten percent of the the incomes for that the person who put in money. The same would then work too. Then um, we give we leave the forty percent for the co-op for all the things that we have to buy and we really know that we need them. We have to pay rent. We have to pay uh, the the all the things to cook and all the 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 planchas and all the things that we need to to do that. And the other fifty percent. We separate about the hours that every month, every person works. Sometimes could be very, very little. Sometimes could be more. Sometimes could be then. But it's all the all the time is about the percent of the work that you do. Yeah, which uh, you know typically in in cooperatives it's been called like patronage dividends. So so within the cooperative everybody is an equal member, but people are rewarded for their contributions to it. And you have a really interesting way of recognizing different kinds of contributions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, you, for those of you listening, this is uh, the, uh, the Co-op Power Hour on KGNU's It's the Economy. Uh, we're here on the, on the show uh, the uh, fourth Thursday of every month learning about economic democracy and cooperative business. Uh, uh, this time around, we're talking about community wealth building and uh, local worker cooperatives in the, in the Denver metro region. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment. the economy. Uh, I'm Nathan Schneider. And I'm Paul Bindle. And we're here with you the fourth Thursday of every month talking about economic democracy and cooperative business. Uh, this show, we're talking about 
community wealth building in the Denver uh, metro region and, uh, and a really powerful new worker cooperative called Mujeres Emprendedores that's uh, growing up out of the Westwood neighborhood. Uh, so um, we, we've talked a bit about what we mean by community wealth building. We've talked about the business itself, about uh, Mujeres Emprendedores. Um, but I want to turn the conversation a bit more to the future. Um, maybe start with uh, Matilda and Irma. Um, what kind of vision do you have for where you'd like your business to be in a few years? Uh, what's the, what's the, uh, the vision you're looking toward as you build? Oh my God. <laughs> I, in a few years, I want to get the building for the Mujeres Emprendedoras, and I want to see uh, three, four, five different women with, uh, with their own business and then not separate. We can continue working together, but they are whatever Matilde to be she she got a very very exit with the videos or me with my restaurant or another lady with uh, some store for uh, candles and soaps and whatever you know I want to see as, as my my vision I want to get a own building work too hard more 400 or 500 more women working together for uh, make a big uh, big uh, an empire. <laughs> Muchas mujeres emprendedoras. <laughs> yeah, for me, things is a little bit like you must say, but um, I think I, I really want to be sure that it's easier for the next for the next generation or for the next women and the, the next men, doesn't matter. We decided that we want only women, so uh, doesn't matter if it's a woman or not. I think when somebody have the tools to to do something easier for us it's very hard we don't even know nothing about business we don't know nothing uh, about well about co-ops yes because we are already involved in the Westwood food co-op um then we, they teach us a lot of stuff then maybe it's a little bit easier for us now but um i think to in maybe five years i want i want to be sure then the information that we take like six months to know somebody can have like very soon maybe in one week they can see oh I, if i went to this place and this place i will find this information easy and uh, i really think and that's make a lot of difference because um, i know a lot of people and they say oh i will i will make my own business but they didn't know where to start and i think that's the biggest change and i really want to see and obviously the co-op working and getting a lot of works and a lot of women working with us that will be the greatest thing that I can see it. And I was real orgullosa, real proud. Proud, proud. proud because somebody, people, another people, another group of uh, women, they can see us and they say, oh, we want to get another co-op, how we can do it. Show us because we want to learn and we want to grow up, same use, yours. And so like you're already getting people who want to learn to do what you're doing. So it's yes. spreading. This yes. is a great idea. Mm -hmm. How exciting. Jessica, uh, what about the broader uh, region? What, are, what is your vision for what community wealth building can look like in Denver, how it can transform uh, this community 
uh, uh, in a few years down the line. Sure. I, I absolutely love the energy of Mujeres Emprendedoras because I think they're on the right track. This is about education. This is about making it easier for the next generation. This is about figuring out how what was difficult for us in expanding it. I, I share their vision. I want to see an empire of empowered women who say, I can do this. And not just women, but uh, people in general who said, you know what, there is a lot of power if we come together. Um, how do we harness that collective power to ensure that we have not just well for myself, but well for my community. Um, I also really like that they're looking at the financial education because uh, Matilde said it best, income does not necessarily mean wealth. And so um, the more education we can do to ensure that it does become wealth, um, the better our communities will be. Uh, we are fa facing great challenges um, in Metro Denver with gentrification. And so um, if we can get more of this infectious uh, energy to ensure that others can get... Uh, can get the same idea and uh, feel empowered to be able to do it, I think we'll be in much better shape. Um, I do think that it takes, um, that it's going to take a, a transformative movement at every level, uh, from the grassroots level to those who are, um, who have a, a lot of procurement power, like our anchor institutions, our hospitals, our universities, and for them to start thinking about intentionally making an effort to use their economic engine to build community wealth. And you've actually been convening several working groups and bringing people together. Do you want to tell us more about that? Because that is, seems to be sort of the steps that would lead to greater education and greater implementation. Sure. So in May 1st, I accepted a job to build a movement, and it's been quite the, <laughs> the initiative. Um, and so, yeah, we've transitioned to work groups where we we have a, we have one work group with uh, workforce development, another one looking at social enterprises and small businesses, understanding that it's going to take a strong local economy to ensure that we can have wealth in communities. Um, another one around cooperatives, and this one is around uh, not only employee ownership, but also looking at housing cooperatives and uh, purchasing cooperatives. Um, and the whole idea is to help me understand what is it that we need to get done. Um, at this point, there's so much need around, you know, uh, every aspect of it. And so I want to identify the lowest hanging fruit. And I want to identify that the policy change that will eventually lead to a systemic change. Um, and so the last one that I have that I haven't convened yet, but I'm in the process of is the people power. I'm really excited about this one because it's going to, we're going to explore how to use our collective power to ensure that we are getting to the point where, you know, the, the cooperatives or the education, popular education is the norm. Um, so I'm really excited about the work groups and there's a lot of energy and there's a lot of people behind it. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really excited about it. Well, that's fantastic that you're uh, combining both that collective power and the, and the entrepreneurship. I think so often uh, uh, it's one or the other, you know, it's, it's uh, business can solve everything or, or community organizing can solve everything. And putting those together is actually what so many of our successful social movements have done. You know, when you look at the civil rights movement, uh, mm -hmm. it wasn't just a civil rights movement. It was also a land ownership movement. It was also a credit union building movement. It was, uh, uh, there was so much of that combination that made it powerful. Uh, exactly. And our selective memory often uh, 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 forgets that. 
Exactly. Yeah, I keep reminding myself that the you know the civil rights movement didn't happen overnight, and so in some ways, I um, the my biggest challenge is that time is of the essence here, and I'm seeing my my city change so drastically. Um, and so at the same time, I, I I keep thinking, you know what? We only learn about the highlights. We didn't learn about the. <laughs> the challenges um, and so for every 100 days maybe we learned about one and so it's been a, a great experience uh, can you tell us a bit about how to get involved if people want to get involved in this in this uh, community that you're building um, how do how does somebody uh, plug in absolutely well definitely find us on Facebook we are community wealth building network um, oh you can also send me an email Jessica that's y-e-s-s-i-c-a at community wealth building.org. Um, visit our website, communitywellbuilding.org. We have uh, a lot of opportunities for people to join, to share their experiences, and if nothing else, to learn more about uh, community wealth building and how every single person can be a part of it. Whether you can uh, join the work groups or not, there is something that every single person can do, and that's to be more intentional with our dollars. And Irma and uh, Matilda, could you tell us about, uh, remind us how we can uh, uh, get involved with what you're doing and, and where we can buy your jewelry and, and your food? Well, to contact us, usually you can look for us in Facebook, Mujeres Emprendedoras Cooperative. That, that's how you, you can find us. Uh, or you can send an email us to mujer.eres.emprendedora.gmail. Dot com. Dot com. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, um, sorry, I will repeat that because it's mujeres that eres, mujer that eres that emprendedora arroba, arroba gmail.com. Yeah. Or you can uh, you can call us to our numbers. They are always and everywhere. My cell phone is 303 922 And the mine is 720-436-9829. And I want to know everybody, listen, you need grow up, you need go learn something. Because right now in Mujeres Emprendedoras, we're going at the school. We got a lot of different classes about financial accounting, uh, business plans, and more English, I know I need more, <laughs> but <laughs> but we need learn. We need grow up. We need we need take the decision for uh, for uh, decide if you want stay same or you want to grow up. You want to learn. You want to say, mujeres emprendedoras. Yes, we can do. And on Saturdays, we can find you where and when again. Yeah, Saturdays you can find us in the thirty seven thirty eight Morrison Road, ten a.m. to three p.m. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for thank having Thank you so much for inviting us. Yes. Um, so coming up, we actually have a couple events in May. We have the Co-op Investment Club, which will be meeting on May 2nd. And that location is to be announced. If you want to find out more, you can go to our meetup group, um, the Co Colorado Co-ops Study Circle, and you'll see it there. <clears throat> we also have another event from Rocky Mountain Employee Ownership Center. Um, that is a culture workshop. And this is going to be a full day um, deep dive into workplace culture, what it takes to encourage your employees to think like owners, think and act like owners. There will be um, special consultants from new, um, Jenny Briggs, who used to be the HR director at New Belgium Brewing, as well as Ahad Gadimi, 
who is a um, turnaround uh, CEO. He buys companies and turns the culture around and sells them to the employees. So this is going to be a great event and it's going to be a lot of fun and we hope everyone can turn out. Thank you. You've been listening to the Co-op Power Hour on KGNU's It's the Economy. It's a production of the Colorado Co-op Study Circle. You can catch us on the fourth Thursday of every month on KGNU Radio, as well as uh, online, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can find us at coloradocoops.info slash radio, and you can get the full list of our past episodes. It's a growing list, lots of great resources there, lots of great guests. I'm Nathan Schneider. I'm a professor of media studies at the University of Colorado Boulder. And I'm Paul Bindle. I'm a freelance marketing and communications professional. Thank you for joining us. We'd like to thank again our guests, Jessica Hogan, uh, Matilda Garcia, and Irma Diaz. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us today, and we look forward to uh, meeting again soon. Mm-hmm.